is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Straight away kick. Good snap, down, kick is on its way. That kick is long enough, high enough, and it is it's good! Gone. The kick is good. good! The Steelers survive in Cincinnati. The Steelers came in as an underdog, fought their butts off, and somehow figured out a way to win this football game in OT. Okay, so I got a little overexcited and stepped on Billy's lines a little bit. I'm sure I'm going to hear about that, but what a call by Billy Hillgrove. And right at the end, pulling it, I still, I'm still like all discombobulated over what just transpired in the Queen City, that of the chili eating Cincinnatians yesterday. Oh, my heavens. Welcome to the locker room, everybody. Craig Wolfley, Wes Euler, uh, Max got caught in between flights. So he's either somewhere between Cincinnati and Phoenix, or he's landed and got home last night. So I don't know where, how, or whatever, but he's somewhere in between. But anyhow, welcome to the locker room. It's Wolf Starks and the Ninjas, which now is Wolf Wes and the Ninjas, because Wes is both Wes and a ninja. Hi, Wes. How you doing? I'm pulling double duty today, Wolf. (laughs) Yes, my friend. That means means an extra heaping of lunch for me here in a couple hours. Oh, did you do the Skyline Chili yesterday? I did, yeah. You know, they had the uh, the hot dogs and the chili at halftime, so I did my little halftime report there, and then you know I had to bolt out and grab a a couple dogs for sure. Absolutely. You know, the one – I will say this. The, the Cincinnatians have come up and done a better job with the lunchroom stuff. It's much better than it used to be back in old River Riverfront Stadium there, that sort of stuff. And and back in the day uh, when I first started off going to the new, what, what's now uh, Raycor Stadium or Paycor or whatever, I can't remember. <laughs> but, you know, here's the thing about it. Did you see the eggs? The eggs look kind of like lard. Uh, well, let's just say, okay, you know, I, I went out with our buddy Mike Pursuta on Saturday night. You know, we had a couple cold ones. Okay. So I was ready for that press box breakfast on Sunday. You know, my, my, my stomach was ready for a, a little something, something to calm it down. And <laughs> those eggs were not it. Let's just, they were let's, not let's, it. Let's, let's just, we'll leave it as simple as that. Those eggs, whenever you have to ask, hey, what's that in that container there? Yeah. Oh, that's eggs. Yeah, eh, better shy away. Yeah, that was one that uh, definitely wanted to bypass. But getting back to the game and just the terrificness of what transpired again. You know, I started off last week. All right, I said preseason matters. I don't care what you say. You watch the Thursday night game with the L.A. Rams and the Buff Bills, and then you see that game yesterday, and there's one commonality between the Rams and the, and the Cincinnatians is that they didn't play any of their starters hardly. And I know that in Cincinnati they only played one, and that was Cordell Volson, who was the rookie who got uh, pretty much pummeled by Cam Hayward, who we knew would you know be doing a little bit of beat up is that's just his introduction to the league these things happen I'm sure that the Volson will go on from here and learn from that but certainly it was a hard and tough indoctrination for Cordell Volson and I and I simply say this preseason matters if you saw Joe Burrow in that first half I mean Wes he looked he looked rustier than the Tin Woodsman in the Wizard of Oz. Okay? I mean, it just was not happening for him. No, it was not, Wolf. He he was struggling. Their offense was struggling. Uh, Joe Burrow, I think very uncharacteristically, right, just turning the ball over and not looking like himself, not looking sharp. And we know that 
you know, it wasn't just that they held him out of the preseason games. He missed a couple weeks in training camp as well, too, because he had that, I believe, ruptured appendix, it was. Appendectomy. Appendectomy. I think it's called. The official title. Well, see, I'm glad one of us went to medical school (laughs) on this show, at least. I didn't Uh, even go to any school. (laughs) You you attended one. You just didn't leave. You just didn't leave with a high-priced piece of paper like the rest of us do. Um, But, yeah. Listen, I think we all we all expected that the Steelers defense was going to have to have, you know, some some Herculean efforts early on in the season while the offense was finding their way. But to the tune of three first half interceptions, four first half turnovers, I mean, that was impressive by the Steelers defense. It was uncharacteristic from a quarterback that we all know is as good as Joe Burrow is and as, you know, as great as that offense was particularly down the stretch last season. Uh, I think you're right. If that game plays out in week four or five, Wolf, I think it's a different story. I don't think the Bengals make all those mistakes on offense. Right. But week one, once again, kind of feels like Buffalo did this time last year too, right? Yes. Your defense plays great. Special teams make some plays. Offense makes just enough plays to to keep you alive and hang in there. And you're able to, you know, in a way, steal one on the road. Um, I think you're absolutely right. I know you and Max both were talking about that last week, how preseason matters. You saw it Thursday night in L.A., and uh, and you certainly saw it yesterday afternoon in Cincinnati. You know, you see it in the communication of the offensive line. You know, I mean, hey, I know we didn't set the, the world on fire yesterday with our offensive line play as far as running the ball, but, you know, I saw I saw improvement. And I'll, I'll say this, and, and, you know, I think the world of Najee and his talent um, but there was a time or two Najee missed the hole, you know, and these things happen. That's part of Najee didn't get a whole lot of reps in the in the preseason. The offensive line, you know, was got some reps, but you know, it's a work in progress, and I think we got to let it kind of just marinate a little and keep working at it and kicking it uh, is each and every week. Go after it and roll your sleeves up and get the job done and, and try to improve each and every week, and we'll go from there. Uh, I hope Najee. That's that's worrisome. What happened with Najee? Yeah. He got bent up pretty good. And, of course, with T.J. Watt, we'll get to all that and more. But let's just stick with preseason matters. You know, one of the things that you, you look for is the fact that when you get enough hitting done, there's a couple of things that, that really transpires. And one of them is the fact that you move as a group and you're able to, you know, withstand a lot of the forces out there. And, and guys were, you know, the guys, you could see guys were sucking wind when they got uh, on long drives and so forth. And, you know, uh, one of the things that was really a bummer for the Steelers' defense is they had 94 snaps to contend yeah, with. Yeah, it's insane. With the, that, I mean, Wes, I can't even remember an, a, an offensive unit putting up 94 reps. That's that's like Chip Kelly, Oregon, Pac-12, the fastest offense you've ever seen in your life numbers there, Wolf. Right, yeah, right. That's, that, that's, that's insane. I mean, that's even, even again, you think of the most, you know, spread out, type of college football offenses, Oregon and Texas Tech and Washington State and some of these teams, right, that they want to run a play every 20, 30 seconds, they rarely get to those kind of numbers. Now, you obviously had the 10-minute overtime, and that that affects it as well, too. But that's, you know, you look at that number, 94 total plays to the Steelers, 61. That's a huge disparity. The time yes. of possession obviously was not close either. Uh, 26 minutes for the Steelers, almost 44 minutes for the Bengals, that is is one thing too, Wolf. You know, you win the battle yesterday, but what's the war look like, right? Because, you know, we, we talk about T.J. Watt's status, and you and I will get more into that as we roll along here. Uh, Cam Hayward was banged up out there at, at different points as well too. 
and the defense just, you know they've got to be feeling it today. I mean, they went out there not for 60 minutes. They went out there for 70 minutes and laid it all on the line for nearly 100 different snaps. Uh, that's that's going to take a toll. You know, everybody knows you're never, you know, once week one gets going, really once the preseason gets going, you're never 100% healthy. Of course, but 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 that man, I I tell you what, you might you might be a a few percentage points lower um, than you normally even would after a week one because it was hot down there for that second half. It was a physical, violent game. Ninety four snaps, nearly forty four minutes out there. That one's going to take a toll on the Steelers' defense early on in the season, and and hopefully they're all able to to obviously get the recovery that they need this week. But that was, I mean, it was. It was a Herculean effort, like I said, and um, they needed every bit of it from those guys on the defensive side of the football. Well, you hope it's not just a Pyrrhic victory where you win the battle but lose the war, and that, of course, would be you win this first game but then lose the rest of them or something like that. Or you lose, you know, you get bad news on T.J. Watt and Najee Harris, something like that. Yeah, 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 I just went to the immediately worst thing that could happen, you know. Uh, (laughs) You're right. I mean, hey, if if you end up going one and, what would it be, one and 15? One and 16? Yeah, Yeah, you're right. That would be worse. I didn't flunk math twice, but I'm pretty sure that it would be one and 16, okay? (laughs) Yes, there are 17 games now, 16, carry the one. Yes, 17, yes. There you go. All right, so preseason does matter. It really does. And no doubt in my mind, you've got to be able to put some guys out there because number one is the hitting that occurs in a game. Practice practice speed and practice conditioning is not equal to game speed and game conditioning. Nope. It just does not equal out. So you have to mitigate those circumstances in preseason and hopefully get through in the best way that you can or you pay the price early on because it takes a while to get your footing when all the bullets are live, when they're all real, when yep. things are going kaboom. You've got to make sure that you are, are ready to go at that. And I, I simply look at this and think to myself, and, and again, They've got to have some preseason. You got to have some. And Mike Tomlin, a lot of people go, ah, he's crazy. He's got tackling and practice and everything. No, <laughs> you got to do that. You yeah. got to give your guys the ability to temper that steel. Iron sharpens iron. Cotton doesn't sharpen iron. Okay, cotton's soft and fluffy. You know, <laughs> it's like a pillow. You stick it in a pillow. Why? It's it's something you cuddle with when you go to sleep at night, right? No, you need iron. Men need iron out there, iron sharpening iron. And the only way you get that is by getting the full go and be able to handle that and withstand it. And it builds your tendons, your ligamentation, all your musculars and all that sort of thing, right? It, the big thing about it is got to do something in the preseason to be able to prepare yourself for the kickoff. Well, if I completely agree, and, you know, we obviously saw that up close yesterday in Cincinnati, you and I did, and, and all of Steeler Nation who was watching along you saw that Thursday night in the season opener uh, with the Rams hosting the Bills. You know, there might be some people who think, okay, well, that's, you know, those are just two two sample sizes. That's not a very large sample size, right? But I think, you know, just quickly, you look around the rest of the NFL, uh, the Bears were able to get the Niners in a week one surprise. Chicago a lot more active in the preseason uh, than, than the 49ers were. The Dolphins able to get the Patriots a lot more active in the preseason. Um the uh, Giants uh, able to beat the Titans on the road in week one. Tennessee, you didn't see much from Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry in that offensive line right. in the preseason. The Vikings comfortably beating the Packers. The Packers only scoring seven points on offense. When have we seen that? Mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers in that offense didn't really do much this preseason. So I I know it's you know it's it's easy for us certainly to get caught up in our in our Steelers bubble. 
But I think you look around the NFL at week one as well, too. I, I think your thesis there was, you know, there was there was a lot of support. There was a lot of backing that up across the NFL week one. And who knows? We could maybe even see that again tonight. Broncos, Seahawks, Seattle has been their entire first team trying to figure it out throughout the preseason. While Denver hasn't really done that much uh, with Russell Wilson, we'll see if that continues tonight. But I think you're right. I, I think that was a great call by you. And like I just kind of laid out there, it feels like there were five or six examples across week one where the teams who uh, didn't do much during preseason were slow to get out of the blocks. You know, I remember even back in the uh, mid-80s, we are playing the Giants, right? So the first team offense, we go the whole first half. So we go into halftime, you know, you kick back and you relax a little. Now, we didn't take our pads off or nothing. Chuck never allowed that sort of thing <laughs> to happen unless you were injured. That's the only time. But, we, you know, you, you kick back. You, you take your mindset out of the game, basically, because it's the fourth preseason game. You know that uh, you're done for the day. And and so uh, if, if anybody gets hurt, they're going to put in some of the younger guys. You know, they're going to put in the guys that uh, aren't going to be there in the next after the, the the final cuts. So we're sitting there, and me and Chaluch, we're sitting back, and Mike Webster, we're sitting there, and all of a sudden, Ron Blackledge, the big Kahuna, comes over to us and goes, "Buckle up, man! You're going back in." We're like, "What? What? What? Whoa! Whoa! Hey, do you know the biscuit theory?" You know, the biscuit theory is, you know, you got biscuits coming out of the oven, and when mm-hmm. they come out, they're all nice and fluffy mm-hmm. and everything like that. But you put those bad boys on the kitchen table, and they're like bricks in the morning. You know what I yes. mean? That's what we're feeling like. And the kahuna's going, Chuck wants to win the game. You're like, really? This is the fourth preseason <laughs> game. We're in the fourth quarter, right? It's already the fourth quarter is already we're three, four minutes into the fourth quarter. Now you're telling us buckle up. We're going back in to play a bunch of guys that are not even going to be on the Giants team in a mere few days, right? Oh. We, we go back in there. We we finally get on a drive. We win the game, thankfully, right? You know, and and it was all about Chuck wanting to win the game. That's how much he thought of preseason and setting the tone and being able to make sure that you're you know advancing your units and getting them enough of the real live go so that you're prepared for the you know back in the day we used to go play the first quarter uh first game first quarter second game up to halftime third game you'd go through and and play a few minutes into the third so that you got into uh the you know through halftime and then in the fourth game we actually would a lot of times he'd take us right into the four, up to the fourth quarter to make sure our conditioning was right. But on this instance, he had decided to pull us out after the first half. Well, then, of course, it all turned around. But that was just how important it was to Chuck to win a game and set that tone. I love that story. You know, I I, I think you've told me that once or twice before. Probably but, 35. You know, it's, uh, the, the, the the biscuit analogy is great. I think there, there's like a bagel reference you can make in there too, right? You get yeah. the you get the bagels fresh from the bra- the bakery. They're delicious. By oh, the next yeah. by the next morning, they're like hockey pucks in that in that brown paper bag. But but you have to you know there there is a balance to walk there certainly. Um, and and you you come from the days of yore where it was much more old school in that regard. I don't think. You know, we you want to be clear with this. We want to be clear with this. While we're, you know, we 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 want to see the Steelers work in preseason. We don't want to see guys just just sit for weeks and get kind of thrown into the to the furnace week right. one. You know, there's there's a balance there. I think we were, you know, if, if Najee Harris had forty carries during preseason, no. we we might all be looking around going, hey, well, wait a second, does he really need to get the rock that many times? But but you're right. There's I think the Steelers organization. There's always been that onus of. As Mike Tomlin would say, 
We're not going to warm up to this thing. You know, as, as soon as the preseason starts, as soon as the games start, we're trying to win. And, yeah, that's different in the preseason. You're not game planning as much. You want to see more your Jimmys versus their Joes as opposed to, you know, trying to schematically fool some guys out there. You're trying to evaluate what you have and the talent and the depth and all those different things. But I, I think it's pretty clear the Steelers organization has done a good job from, from Chuck Knoll to Bill Cowher to Mike Tomlin of not having to warm up to that thing. And it is, it's a long season, certainly. You know, I, I don't think Cincinnati's sitting there today thinking that they, they just, you know, ruined their year. They, they got 16 more cracks at this thing, as do the Steelers. But this team is, has done a good job, certainly as of late, coming out of the, the gates with the type of performance that you need, uh, buttoned up, solid on defense, positive on special teams. And, and that's clear that that's, you know, that's because there's this this onus in the organization of, of we're, we're going to get ready starting in, in late July in Latrobe at St. Vincent College. And that way, when we get to September and, and the bullets really start flying again, to use that Tomlinism, you don't have to warm up to it. Exactly. So I'll give you another instance. In 82, we played the. Dallas Cryboys on Monday night football, right? <laughs> so the Cryboys come in from uh, coastal California there, Thousand Wait, is it, Oaks. Is it Cryboys or is it Cowgirls? I mean, uh... <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Lambert used to call them the Cryboys. Okay. So I'll, we'll I'll go, go with that. that we'll one. go with that. Yeah. So we, we come in, we're playing in Dallas. It's a Monday night game, kicks off the whole year back in 82. And the, the, the Cowboys came in, as I said, from Thousand Oaks, and it was a nice uh, you know, Pacific Breeze type of training camp. We came in from a scorching hot summer at the St. Vincent's College. So we have at it in the Big D, right? Fourth quarter, we are on the drive. Okay, this is the whole game. Come down to this. We're on the final drive in the fourth quarter. Everybody's exhausted because it's like over 90 degrees at 9 o'clock at night. We kick off at 9 o'clock at night. Okay, that was crazy, right? But, you know, 9 o'clock for us, it starts off on, you know, the East Coast. But anyhow, it was over 90 degrees when we kicked off, and I will never forget it was smoking hot, and it was the humidity. You could have used lungs or uh, gills rather than lungs. (laughs) And, and, you know, we're on that final drive, and Bradshaw's yelling at us, and we're doing this and this and that, and we're going down the field. And at one point I become – I look over and I see – the great Randy White on his knees, you know, as we, we break the huddle. You know, there's over next to him is, is, uh, is uh, what we got, Larry Cole, right? And you got Harvey Martin next to um, Randy White on the outside. And you got two tall Jones on the other side. They are all uh, down on their knees before the snap of the ball. And, and, and we come up to the line of scrimmage, and they didn't get up off their knees until Bradshaw put his hands under Mike Webster's butt. <laughs> I mean, seriously, that's how tired they were. And I kept thinking to myself, I can get up one more time than you, dude, one more time. And it was, it was sheer exhaustion. <laughs> but <sighs> the fact was, again, the preseason matters. Having that, that the game conditioning, the game uh, – moments where you know it, it sucks it out of you a little bit and then uh, being able to come back I know you don't want to get too many reps okay because back in my day it was like just open up another can of water and add another can of player and add water that's <laughs> that's you know it's a little different now with the salary shake cap. don't stir yeah. <laughs> yes shaken but not stirred or stirred but not shaken I don't know I one, one of those two. yeah it's, it, it's yeah little... too many head bumps in the preseason for you to remember what can I say that's just the way it is <laughs> but I think what we ought to do is probably we are going to take a break right now and when we come back we're going to talk more about what we thought and saw right there because I know this 
hitting the quarterback matters, and we'll talk about that when we come back. This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Burrow barks with Mixon to his left. Big rush. And he's hit. And he's going to try to get out of there, but no way. Cam and Highsmith combined and had him from two angles. And down he goes for the sack. Sixth sack of the game. This one inside the five. There you go. Hitting the quarterback matters, just as preseason matters and what we talked about in the first segment, first block there. I also believe, Wes, you know, here's the thing about it. There was a study that I saw um, probably close to a decade ago. Uh, that Yeah, I'm that old. But anyhow, <laughs> about it, you know, it's a study, and it said five or more quarterback hits greatly reduces the accuracy of the quarterback. There was one lone guy that did not really uh, adhere to those stats, and that was a guy by the name of Ben Roethlisberger. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that dude just yeah, maybe that's... maybe Brett Favre too, but yeah, that's about it. Yeah, you know, I, I don't I don't know about the the Favre, but I know about the Roethlisberger. And the thing was, he was still one of those guys that stood up to the pressure and could handle it, despite how many whacks they put on him. But yep. regardless, I look at Thursday night again. We learned a lot from that Thursday night game. Preseason matters and hitting the quarterback matters. You look at the fact that the Buff Bills went and sacked Matt Stafford, what, seven times and hit him 15 other on quarterback hits? Gadzooks, man, that greatly reduces the accuracy. And you saw how wild Stafford was, three interceptions and throwing the ball all over the place. Well, I, I contend that does the same thing here. I mean, Joe Burrow, again, he got sacked seven times. He got 11 quarterback hits. That's a lot of cheddar on that on that man. Yeah. Yeah, sure is. Absolutely. And it looks like it was a lot of cheddar on him. You know, I think we, we kind of touched on this a little bit to, to open the show, but, you know, that was not the Joe Burrow that everyone was expecting to see. That was not the Joe Burrow that we have seen throughout his, you know, him now going into his third season in the NFL. They call him, you know, Joey Burr, right? Wolf, right. That's, he's, he's got like 57 nicknames, is, is I guess all young upstart athletes do nowadays. <laughs> But, you know, one of the things they call him is Joey Burr because he's ice cold, because he's got ice in his veins, because he never gets rattled, because he's always poised, because he has done, you know, nothing early on in his career from LSU to the Bengals except for win big games for the most part. Um, He did not look like Joey Burr yesterday afternoon in Cincinnati. He looked like Joey running for his life. He looked like Joey shook up a little bit. And I think that that was a it was certainly a combination of of the rust from him with the the appendix and the missing time in training camp and no preseason. And it was certainly as well, too, because from the start of the game, I mean, the the Steelers were they were breathing down his neck. They were all over him. You know, you guys talked a lot about last week here in the locker room how, yeah, the Bengals have retooled that offensive line and they've brought in some proven commodities from around the National Football League and free agency. They haven't gotten any work together. And as Max likes to say, right, that offensive line, it's its five fingers making a fist, and you could tell a lot of those fingers hadn't seen each other, hadn't spent time uh, next to each other <laughs> yesterday. And because of that, early on, you know, not, not in the third or fourth quarter when maybe it would have been too late, maybe you would have been trailing by too many, early on you're able to get to Joe Burrow. 
early on you're able to make him feel that pressure. He starts making mistakes. He gives uh, you know the ball away. A lot of nice turnovers by the Steelers, but some other that you know if we were on the Cincinnati side of things, we'd be saying, "Oh man, that's just that's just a throw you can't make. That's just a play you can't make in that situation." It's it's full credit, Wolf. Everyone on that defense deserves their flowers for what they were able to do to that Cincinnati offense, what they were able to do to Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, those guys. They had their moments, certainly, like like you expect them to do over the course of a you know a game that went 70 minutes long. But my goodness, uh, they were ready to go. They were ready to get after the quarterback. And I think that is there's there's a lot of big storylines. There's a lot of big takeaways from yesterday, certainly. But I think that is that's right up there at the top of the list as well. Well, I think well, we can add a uh, nickname, call him Appendectomy Joe. How's that? You know, I mean that's that happened. Okay, I mean you know nothing. Joe Appendix. <laughs> Joe Appendix. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's but, not Joe Appendix. It's Joe Appendix. <laughs> I'll say this: the Steelers turned him into a human pinata. Okay. By the way, have you ever had a? Have you ever done a pinata? Oh, you know it. Oh man, when I was a kid. Okay, I was like 10, 11 years old, something like that, 11, 12. I was in a group. They had a, a party over at my cousin's house, right, like a Halloween party, and they had a pinata. And everyone was taking a, a, a turn for, you know, with the stick. You know, and you got to blindfold the guy. Sure. Dude cracked it. I mean, open that pinata up, man. I dove in. <laughs> and I caught the stick right between the eyes. I, the dude, nobody knew. The guy had a blindfold on. He's swinging away. <laughs> We're going after That's the candy. Incredible. Oh, yeah. I took it right between the eyebrows, man. <laughs> now, see, that that story would make more sense to me, Wolf, if you were the one who was dishing out the punishment. I would have been like, oh, yeah, I'm sure you were bl- I'm sure you were blind, huh? That that kid probably, you know, stole your stole your Pepsi or, uh, or took no, some of your snacks, they, and you were just trying to get them back. They, they had Mounds bars were coming out of the pinata, man. I went after the Mounds bars, you know? <laughs> I love Mounds Bar. Get that coconut thing going on. Oh, yeah, man. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> those pinatas, those are dangerous, I tell you. you they, gotta, they were a little, you know, they, a little dangerous. Pinatas and, and, and Red Rider BB guns, right? You got to be careful. You'll take an eye out. <laughs> exactly. Well, here's the thing that, that just in watching this unfold, again, the hitting the quarterback matters from accuracy, but it also stems to the fact that the the offensive line was not spending, didn't spend any time together in the heated, uh, you know, confines of a stadium. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, if you're of all you're doing in a preseason is going through warmups before a game, and that's it, um, you are not going to be all together when when it comes live, as we've talked about. And the result is your quarterback is going to have problems. There were situations where you could see a couple guys, a couple Steelers, they got let go just on, on pressures where, you know, this one guy thought he, the other guy had him, the other guy thought this guy had him, and, you know, somebody just splits the difference. So, uh, again, I just think being able to get after that quarterback and do the job that they did uh, was just tremendous. And they did a better job of, of trying to shut down the run also. But um, you, you just cannot – you cannot uh, – you can't overhit the quarterback unless it's no. a flag. I mean, it's just that that just takes him down a notch each and every time. Particularly in this era, right, where where pretty much every team likes to air it out. You know, it's it's one of the oldest cliches in the book now. It's a passing league, and it has been for a while. Particularly, you know, you just kind of reference it there too. The way that they protect and insulate the quarterbacks in the NFL now as well too. Any opportunities to get a good clean lick on those guys. Um, you, you got to take advantage. You got to capitalize. That's welcomed. 
And and the Steelers, I tell you what, I mean, they were they were able to do that in spades. I mean, and, and we know too, right? They they deserve a lot of credit in that regard because just a few months ago, well, I mean, I guess it was back in January now. Time really does fly. But just a few games ago, maybe, is the better way to say it for the Bengals. I mean, they went to Tennessee, Wolf, remember, in the playoffs. Joe Burrow got sacked eight times. Yes. And they still won that football game. Yes. So just because you're able to get after Joe Burrow doesn't necessarily mean, again, that, that you're going to rattle him, that you're going to cause some of that accuracy to go by the wayside. But the Steelers were able to do that because they weren't just getting the sacks. They were also getting more QB hits. They were also having relative success in the run game. And they were taking that ball away as well, too, with the interceptions and the forced fumbles. Uh, When you combine all of those things, yeah, again, the tip of the cap because Joe Burrow, we have have not seen him look like that at many times in his career. Even his rookie season when that team was bad, the offensive line was worse, and he was getting hit all the time. I, I don't know if I've ever seen him like that. I mean, TJ... Alex Highsmith, Cam, uh, on down the list, they were in his face from the from the first snap, and it, it's it's pretty clear that you know the offensive line hadn't obviously had the work together. That Joe Burrow, it had been a while since he had been in one of those situations where where the bullets were really flying. Uh, so so absolutely, tip of the cap to those guys. They were ready to go, um, and I think the defense too. Wolf, they know it's something that you know that we spent time in the off season and in training camp talking about as well too. The offense was going to take time to come together. You know, new parts on the offensive line, new quarterback in the post-Ben Roethlisberger era, a lot of talented playmakers, but young playmakers, most of whom, you know, other than Deontay Johnson, still on their rookie contracts. The defense knew that they were going to have to lead the way, you know, all season, but particularly early on while the offense finds their identity and figures it out. And I tell you what, I'm not expecting them to take the ball away five times every single Sunday. But if we get that type of performance, that type of consistent pressure uh, in the past game as well, too, this defense, I think, will be uh, everything that they've been advertised to be. And that, you know, we all know that they have to be if the Steelers are going to have the type of season we all want to have. No question about it. I mean, you know. Five takeaways. Now, the disheartening thing is he only got, what? Uh, 13, points 13 points off those five, I think, yeah. Uh, that's that's not a good, uh, you know, I mean. Uh, oh, now, hold on. Are we going to the ugly now? <laughs> no, no, we're not going to the good. Okay, 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 okay. Yeah, I, I'm jumping too far ahead here. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, that, that that's a fact of the matter. It's just that that's not good. No. You know? it, that's it, not good. That's, you got to score more points off those. That's the other side of the equation. I don't know about you, Wolf, but it was feeling, you know, for large portions of that game, and particularly some of those times down the stretch or in overtime where it felt like Cincinnati was about to win the thing, it, it, it felt like the game in San Francisco in 2019 where the, where the Steelers, for, that defense first forced uh, five turnovers, but that was the first full game without Ben after his elbow injury in week two, and it's just the defense played lights out. You had every opportunity right in front of you there. Uh, five forced turnovers, but you weren't able to take advantage. You end up losing that game despite five takeaways from your defense in, in San Francisco in 2019. It was fe- I was getting some PTSD, some bad vibes <laughs> at times yesterday. Uh, but, man, you know, it's it's funny. We have in, in our broadcast booth the statistician, his name's Denny Pastufka. He kept looking around at me, Wolf, and saying, all right, defense, just one more play. All right, defense, just one more play. He said that to me about 20 times. 20? It was about 94 <laughs> times. <laughs> and shout out to the defense. They just kept making one more play. You know, I, I will tell you this. Uh, th- that defense, is they were amazing. They were so resilient. The strength of that group 
man, oh, man, I don't even know where to begin to kind of throw some flowers at him because, you know, th- this to be out there that long with that many snaps, and I, I don't know, and you got attrition, and this is one of the things that's going to worry me. We'll talk about this in the next hour. Is, you know, is this a Pyrrhic victory as we were talking about earlier? You know, is this a battle of attrition that's going to hurt you down the road here a little bit? Uh, you know, I – I hope not. You know, I, I don't know. I it's it's too early in the week to assess all that's going on. We don't know the full extent of the injuries to other other guys and everything. But uh, certainly, it's something to consider. I, I would think that uh, this week's practice are going to have to pull the reins in a little bit just to be able to uh, field some some guys that are a little dinged up. Yeah, yeah. No, there's no doubt. You know that, that that's another. You know, maybe that's the when we get into the concerns from what we saw yesterday that's that's going to be at the top of the list for me um you win the game and that's obviously important particularly behind uh, again uh, an effort like that from your defense on the road against a divisional opponent the defending uh, division champion nonetheless um but you you gotta you gotta keep your fingers crossed um you gotta knock on wood you gotta you gotta say a couple prayers and and hope (laughs) that obviously tj watt and Najee at the top of that list but again, when you play a defense as a defense, ninety-four snaps like that, physical style of football, there's going to be some stuff that lingers there, and not just some stuff that you know. All right, well, I'll take it easy here for a couple days, two or three days this week, and I'll be good. You know, some stuff that could potentially linger throughout the regular season, linger throughout these first couple months. So, yeah, let's all hey enjoy the victory Monday as as we need to. But there is um there's certainly some some questions in the bigger picture, without a doubt. No doubt about it. Well, let's step aside, shall we, Wes? When we come back, we'll come back and we got, uh, well, do fast starts matter? We'll tell you why. Right here, SNR. This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. He gets the snap. He wants to throw it. Late rush. He throws it down the field. Intercepted at the 30. 25-20. Minka Fitzpatrick goes into the end zone for the Pittsburgh. Well, we got a marker down on the play, so hold on. There is no foul on the play. Ruling on the field is a touchdown. And this crowd is stunned with the Minka Fitzpatrick interception for the score. Landing the first punch is always big. You know, it's better to give one than to take one. And I think that Minka coming out and doing what he did was just amazing. You know, it was a complete overthrow. He's trying to hit Tyler Boyd on an out route. And not overthrow, I should say. It was Minka undercutting the route, jumping on that thing. And I was surprised because it seemed like the Burrow didn't even see him. I don't, you know. Yeah. I, you know, we saw an end zone view of it. And I'm looking and going, yeah, Zooks, man, he didn't even see him at all. No, he didn't. And and what a play by Minka. I mean, it almost almost looks like he was throwing it to Minka, didn't he? <laughs> it's at one yeah. point there. Um. And that's, you know, that's the beauty of Minka Fitzpatrick Wolf. That is where he excels. We all know, you know, last year the Steelers, they needed him in, in, in the run game a little bit more on defense. He led all defensive backs in the National Football League in tackles, not just on the Steelers. He had more tackles than any defensive back in the NFL last year. Right. And that's great. 
But you want Minka being that that ball hawking center fielder, certainly. You know, while it's it's nice to know that he can play up closer to the line of scrimmage and and, and make some tackles. You know, you brought him here, you gave him that contract that for a few weeks made him the highest paid safety in the NFL before the Chargers re-upped Derwin James for his splash play ability. And man, what a way to start the season. What a way to start that game. And uh and yeah, that's the fast start that we were looking for, certainly. I mean, before you before you barely blinked. Uh, it was seven nothing Steelers, and that was after going three and out on offense. So, so, yeah. Uh, so yeah, so so great start there, and I think that that was important too because, you know, you got you got the interception on Burrow, you started to get after Burrow, you're making the Bengals play from behind, right, which makes it harder for them to run the football, which forces them into those more predictable passing situations. It was uh it was very copacetic, as one radio host on this station might say. Yes. I like oh, I like when you're using big words, you know? <laughs> I, my, my mom, Hoopy, should be like, way to go, Wes. Give you the thumbs up on that yeah, one. Yeah, Hoopy. <laughs> so I, I look at it and I go, I go, all right, you know, you start off fast. Think about it. Last year only, and we talked about this, uh, you know, to the point of having to puke over a thing, only 37 <laughs> first quarter points total all year long. Yeah. You know, and if the offense ain't going to do it, then the defense got to take the matter into their own hands and get the job done. And they did. And that's the way that it was one of those make you know, magic make moments. That's this guy is just I think that's his fifth one for a touchdown or something like Sounds that. Sounds right. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's right around there. And heaven forbid, I, I need a fact checker whenever I start. I quoting think from one of those. I think it was his fifth touchdown. Right. I think one of those was a uh, was a was a scoop six. Where okay. he picked up, I think that Could was against be. against the Rams two years ago. I think that was uh, when Jared Goff and the Rams came came to Pittsburgh. I believe he had a scoop six uh, off a fumble in that game. But okay. yeah, I mean, he just again, that's that's what makes Minka Fitzpatrick an All Pro and, and and one of the absolute best safeties in the game. It's it, 129 tackles last year is impressive, but it's the splash plays and not just the splash plays, the ability to find that football and, and then find pay dirt going the other way. Uh, it's a it's a special trait that he has without a doubt. You know it's funny because I focused on a on a uh, research uh, paper that was uh, offered years ago about hump, hitting the quarterback and accuracy and all that. And, and I remember Tunch came up with one too. Uh, he, he happened upon one that said that if you block a kick or if you pick six a guy, it's like your chances of winning like zoom to eighty percent. Yes. Yes. Yeah. All right. I believe if you score a defensive or special teams touchdown. There you go. Yes. It's it's like 84, 86% of the time that team wins. Yes. There you go. So, I mean, that was absolutely critical to come off and start, especially you're you're in the jungle, you know, and they get pay uh, a paycor stadium and they're playing the, you know, uh, Guns and Roses and everything else. And that place was rocking. To be they fair, were, that, that place was rocking. It was. There was not the normal allotment of Steeler fans there you know you could tell I guess going to the Super Bowl kind of got the 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 chili eating Cincinnatians (laughs) they're all excited about their hometown team and they came out in force but I was down on the field before the game kicked off and I still saw the 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 stolid solid uh you know Steeler fans taking uh, their seats there along the you know the uh, up front there they were there they were there in, in, in number but not as much as they had been in the past years of course but certainly I look at this thing and I think to myself, if you can kickstart this and get it started early, and they did that, and what a, what a great job. Because think about it. They got 10 first quarter points. Mm-hmm. Hey, that was almost a quarter of what they scored all of last year yeah. in just the first quarter. Yeah. So I hope this is important of things to come.
come, that this is going to get better, that there's, I don't know, they rev it up a little bit earlier on, get after it, but uh, it certainly was something I thought was uh, key to making that. You know, Joe Burrow, I think it set him back on his heels a little bit for the entire no first doubt. half. I mean, that it just led to more problems for him. Their offense didn't really start to look like their offense until the second half. Yeah. And even then, it was it was just in spurts that we, you know, there'd be a couple of those times that we'd all be looking around in the booth like, all right, you know, here come the Bengals. You know, they're right. they're hitting Jamar Chase. They're hitting Tyler Boyd. They're they're doing what they do. They're opening up run lanes for for Joe Mixon to, to go, you know, what, 30-some yards on, on a fourth and one. Um, there were a couple moments where that Cincinnati offense – Oh, you ready for this one, Wolf? Yes. Started to show their stripes. <laughs> That's such low-hanging fruit. Yeah. I admire you. Yeah. That is just so good. I can't believe I yeah. missed that one. <laughs> there were a couple moments where that offense started to look like itself, started to look like the unit that we saw last year, again, particularly down the stretch, when they, you know, that, that, that took them to the division title and into the Super Bowl ultimately, and some some impressive road playoff wins there in that in that run. Uh, we saw some moments where that offense started to show its stripes, but it felt like every time they did, once again, the defense would rise to the occasion. Uh, all those takeaways in the first half, a lot of bend but don't break moments in the second half, and and that's exactly what you needed in a hostile environment against a good team on the road while your offense is is, is in a new era here and, and really trying to figure it out and, and carve out their identity. I mean, full full tip of the cap to the defense that is now Wolf, you ready for this? Yes. On pace for 68 interceptions this year. <laughs> I mean, I wow. tell you what, that would be that'd be pretty good. I'll settle for 60. How about that? I'll settle for 60 <laughs> interceptions in 16 games. I'm not getting greedy. <laughs> you always got to – 68 you, interceptions. You yeah. got to be the on-pace – you got to be the on-pace guy after week one, right? Exactly. Well, <laughs> well how many – now, how many sacks are we on pace for then? Oh, I mean, no. Think, uh, oh, no. What was it? It was five, right? I think it's around 119 or something like that. What do we have? Seven sacks? <laughs> I don't My math is just really. What's seven times 16? Carry the, uh, 112. Oh, there you go. Okay. And you ready for this, yes. Wolf? Because this, I mean, this is going to be a big number here. Joe Burrow on pace to throw 64 interceptions. <laughs> wow. Wow. So 64, yeah. not 68. Pardon me. I apologize. My math was a little wonky there. But Joe Burrow, i going to throw 64 interceptions this year. i got to think that's some kind of a record. Oh, my gosh. That's unbelievable. <laughs> Wolf, can I ask you a, a question Please quick do. here before, before we have to, uh, to go yes. to this final break of the first hour? Did you, feel like, did you feel like Babe Ruth last night and this morning calling your shot? You know, everybody mm. knows the, the famous Babe Ruth story, right, where he right. stepped up into the batter's box and he pointed his bat to the outfield and said, I'm going to hit the home run right there. And then I think, you know, the next pitch or two or three pitches later, whop, right. hit the home run right, right where he pointed to and called a shot. I mean, all week, Wolf, it's, it's time for me to give you your flowers real quick, nah. okay? All week you were talking about preseason matters, got to have a fast start. Preseason matters, got to have a fast start. And I mean, partner, I tell you, it's, this is why you, you've got the, the decades of NFL experience, the decades as an analyst. Uh, good, good stuff, man. You, you called, you called this one. Well, you know what? Uh, my, my, uh, my father-in-law was an old coal miner. Okay. And funny, he used to look at me and go, ah, you know what? Even a blind squirrel finds an acorn now and then. <laughs> so even a broken, even a broken clock is right, right twice, twice a day. day. <laughs> there there you go. All right. So thank you. I, I appreciate that. But I mean, 
Let's face it, anybody could have figured that one out. <laughs> but, but, you know, hey, you take it where you can get it, right? That's right. Babe Absolutely. Ruth, that's your nickname for the rest of the week. <laughs> I like the candy bar. I'll put it that way. You and me both. <laughs> You're not kidding. All right. Hey, is it time to go to break? It, it I, is time, Okay. Parker. We got to go to break. When we come back, I'm going to tell you the magic number that it takes and with the Steelers are 53-0 and and what are the essentials that you need to win 53 games. Right back here after this. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at, like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. 